Welcome to this special edition of the Yaakov M. Show, of course, as we cover the ongoing war and the ongoing situation in Eretz Yisrael. I'm going to introduce in a moment Alex Trayman. Alex is a Middle East expert. He's the CEO and Jerusalem Bureau Chief of JNS of the Jewish News Syndicate. But before I do that, you know, I just want to add some context here. You know, we've been back and forth with Alex for several days. He's extremely busy. He's been doing radio shows and he's been obviously reporting nonstop around the clock. And we did manage to get him for a few minutes. The situation is horrific. The, our hearts go out to the victims. Our hearts go out to the hostages. Rahman al-Latlan, the situation that is happening right now is unthinkable. It is unspeakable. There are no words to describe it. You know, what, what did happen, the aftermath right now, the fear that we're all experiencing, the tsar and the pain that we're all, all experiencing, and, of course, the ongoing hostage situation. And we daven for the safety of the hostages, for a safe return for the hostages, for the families, for the victims, for the people who are in hospitals right now to be, uh, you know, who are wounded to be healed and have Rafu Shlema Bakarv as quickly as possible. For the victims, Hashem Yimkim Damam, there are no words. There are no words. It's, it's taken me days to be able to even speak about any of this or record anything about this, but, you know, multiple people have asked me, uh, you know, to please share some episodes. So uh, I, there are no words. This is an unspeakable, unspeakable tragedy. It's horrific. And unfortunately, Rahman al is ongoing. We hope the worst is over. We hope that there will only be Basura's Taivas here moving forward. Um, and that is really all I have to share at this moment. So uh, now let's go to uh, my interview with Alex Trayman. Here now on the Yaakov M. Show on the VIN News Podcast, Alex Trayman. Alex is the CEO and Jerusalem Bureau Chief of JNS. He's also an award-winning documentary filmmaker. Alex has been working around the clock covering the aftermath of the Hamas attack, and of course the retaliation right now that is ongoing. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, and it's obviously an extremely painful time. Uh, can you tell us the latest? Israel, as we know, for several days has been decimating Gaza with airstrikes, and now they're saying a ground invasion is imminent. So just what is the latest from your perspective on this phase of the war? Right. So, uh, you know, Israel's been pummeling Gaza with from the air. Uh, really, we're starting to see you know, just how many just how many uh, targets have been hit. Uh, it's been a very, very intensive barrage. And there are literally well over 100,000 troops uh, surrounding the Gaza envelope right now awaiting orders uh, to go in. Uh, the IDF will decide uh, if and when uh, to launch that incursion. Uh, with the uh, goal, hopefully, of completely and totally dismantling Hamas, not just as a, a rogue terror organization, but also as the pseudo-governmental agency that uh, runs the Gaza Strip. Right. And on that note, uh, I'm curious if you, under, you know, what, how you understand like Israel's game plan here. Let's call it the long-term game plan. Use the word dismantle. I actually heard you on the on a radio interview make the point that, that President Obama, although his tweet was 72 hours too late, and he did say a very strong wording uh, that, that he supports Israel's dismantling of Hamas. Now, dismantling of Hamas is something we really have never, we've seen it be tamped down, you know, when there's been different incursions and stuff. Do you think Israel believes they can dismantle Hamas? And let me just add that, you know, like you said, we see the pummeling you know, we know how much damage Israel can do on the ground, but the Hamas leadership, the Hamas tell cells, whether they're in tunnels, whether they're, you know, in Beirut, they, it, it feels like any time this kind of attack happens by Israel, 
they're still immune, and it doesn't take a lot of them to be able to regroup. Well, Israel's never done anything like it, it plans on doing right now, and it's already started doing right now, and that's because Hamas has never succeeded uh, to inflict so much damage on Israel as they did this week. You know, and I think that this goes back to the, you know, the policies of trying to pressure Israel to make land concessions and the policy of withdrawing completely from the Gaza Strip in 2005. Uh, Israel pulled out 21 thriving Jewish communities, 8,500 citizens and all of their military infrastructure from the Gaza Strip in order to create the pilot for an independent Palestinian entity. They, they gifted the Gaza Strip over to the Palestinian Authority, and within a very short period of time, uh, the Palestinian Authority was kicked out, and the Gaza Strip was turned over to Hamas, was taken over by Hamas, and Hamas has been uh, ruling Gaza as its own uh, fiefdom for the last, uh, basically, 18 years. Um, And during that period, they have attempted to attack Israel incessantly. They fired uh, tens of thousands of rockets into Israeli population centers. And as you correctly said, you know, every time there was a flare-up, Israel kind of went back in and tried to uh, attack, rather, or tried to restore some deterrence. But it's clear that Israel's policy of trying to restore deterrence has not worked. So Israel needs a new policy now, uh, and that has got to be to completely dismantle Hamas, which is only one of the Iranian uh, tentacles, terror tentacles that are surrounding uh, Israel, whether including Hezbollah in southern Lebanon, uh, terror organizations inside uh, Syria. You have Houthis in Yemen, which have pledged to join in the fight against Israel and to fire fire missiles that they have there, and uh, and the IRGC in Iran itself uh, that uh, continues to say death to Israel. So if if Hamas is able to, to regroup and make attacks like this, then, then Israel will have lost. Israel needs to change the game and completely deter uh, any organizations from, from thinking that they can ever launch uh, any kind of attack on the Jewish state again. Right, and uh, great point. And, you know, it is chilling, as you alluded to, more than alluded to, as you really made the point, that 2005, obviously, Ariel Sharon gives back Gaza and gave them this gift on a silver platter and you see, it took many, many years to get to this point, but this has been the worst nightmare. And people warned about this at the time and said, you're giving them a, her- a headquarters. You're giving them a hotbed uh, to, to, to literally carry out terror attacks. And an attack of this magnitude, it took a while. They were patient, but it did actually you know, come true. Our worst nightmares have come true. What did you think of Pre- President Biden's speech? And I also heard you talk about this. Also, I'll just tell you, you, you did make the point that, you know, that Biden did give support to Israel and said some of the right things. But you made the point, and I want you to expand on it, that, um, you know, right now everybody's in shock. Right now Israel's getting a ton of public support. But as the weeks go on and as Israel, you know, continues to mount this retaliation, what happens to public opinion then? So can you expand on that? Right. You know, just uh, just. Before we started this call, there's reports that the Gaza power station is has run out of fuel. Uh, and what that means is that now they're running off of some generators, but within a number of hours, there's not going to be electricity inside the Gaza Strip. Uh, the, the Rafa crossing from Egypt uh, is shut. There is essentially a siege uh, on the Gaza Strip right now, and uh, all of the citizens, the residents of the Gaza Strip, are going to be able to feel uh, the pain 
of this siege. And at the same time, you know, Israel is already begun launching a massive uh, Air Force barrage that's not stopping uh, on the Strip. Uh, And there's the potential of a very large, uh, potential imminent large ground incursion that could be launched uh, any moment or any day. Uh, And you're already starting to see that the death tolls inside Gaza, at least what's being reported, is that they may be as high or higher than what was experienced in Israel on Saturday. So right now, uh, everybody around the world is looking at their barbaric massacre that took place on Saturday and sees Israel as a victim uh, and is supporting Israel and its right to to, uh, retaliate. However, if Israel does go and continue on its uh, mission, objective of just completely dismantling Hamas, well, that's going to take time, and the damage is going to be uh, immense. I mean, Israel's not looking to create collateral damage. You know, all the targets that it's hitting are strategic military targets. Uh, but at the same time, these are not precision surgical strikes anymore. It's no time for that. Uh, and so the question is, Will international support, and particularly uh, from President Biden, you know, who's essentially the leader of the free world and supposed to be Israel's greatest ally uh, right now, will he stand by Israel uh, as this uh, in, as this retaliation moves on and on, and as the death tolls mount, will he still stand behind uh, Israel's right to root out terror the way the United States has uh, rooted out terror? Uh, in Afghanistan, uh, in Iraq, and elsewhere. It's a great, great point, and I've got to be skeptical. People just have short memories, you know, and uh, you see this kind of thing. I mean, you know, 9-11, people, people remember, but then people don't understand why we're fighting the Taliban, and people think, hey, it, you know, it's time to pull out. So, and I know that that's been many years, and here we're just talking about, a, you know, a period of weeks. But, yeah, I am very skeptical, as you say, because, you know, somehow, like, the politics uh, managed to, to overtake the searing memories of these kinds of tragedies. So I do wonder, I think you're making some excellent points. Can you walk us through, on a slightly separate note here, and I know this is the question everybody's asking, but I've never really seen a good explanation in terms of how this happened. I'm not saying, look, obviously there's going to be investigations. We don't know the, the, the colossal failure of Israeli intel, which is, of course, the greatest intel in the world. We know about the paragliders, about the bombing of border towers, the, you know, the, the, the breaking down, the breaching the fences and the rocket barrage and, and maybe even reports of a cyber attack. I, but I, I guess just on a really basic level, what should have happened that went wrong? In other words, what would have been like what should have detected the incursion and the, this, this invasion that on, on just on a really basic level, I guess, layman's level, what should have happened that just did not happen? Well, you, you laid out a lot of the, the elements of the attack. I mean, first, as you mentioned, Israeli Israeli intelligence is superior. I mean, Israel contacts other governments around the world to tell them of impending major terrorist attacks right. and to warn them and prevent them. Holy so here God. you have a, a massive failure, you know, where Israeli surveillance and the Gaza Strip is, is a highly, highly surveilled uh, territory and these and the Gaza border is one of the most secure borders in the world. So the failures were number one to to pick up any chatter of what was a highly coordinated attack uh, that was being planned and trained for over a period of as many as six months to a year. So for that entire time, now Israel could not have understood that there was an attack coming. You know, is is a major major failure. But let's say that the intelligence failed and the attack was launched. Okay, this this border 
okay, is the Gazans and Hamas have tried to penetrate this border so many different times. If something, if an animal touches that fence, that sends off a, a, a trigger and a warning, and, and then manpower arrives at the fence to check out what's going on. And wow. here you have reports that the that the, the fence was breached in 30 different places. Okay, that wow. There's reports that Israel has killed over 1,500 terrorists in Israel alone. Okay, and that's not counting however many got back across the border. Okay, after after taking out their carrying out their carnage in, in Israeli in Israeli uh, population centers. Um, and, and you have reports that they, they've arrested also many Hamas and they've interrogated them. And you, and you hear reports that, that they were running around for, for as many as five hours before they were before they were arrested. You had you had 150 hostages taken back across the border uh, through the holes that were, were put in, in the fence. Uh, without being intercepted, even at that point, you know, where, where's the Apache helicopters? You know, where, where's the the local police and, and and the local military? I understand this was uh, this was Shabbos morning, six in the morning, uh, and it was Chatzorah, and, and which is at the end of Sukkot, where people are on vacation. And there are reports that there were were heads of command down in a lot and other places. You know, so they were they were certainly asleep at the wheel uh, and didn't know that there was a threat and weren't prepared, and they let basically were caught completely with their pants down uh and and you know like you said it, it, there will become a time there will be a time and a place for an absolutely damning report that is likely to have significant repercussions for the politicians and military leaders that that were responsible for this or or that at least that it happened on their watch uh and that and that includes uh prime minister benjamin netanyahu uh but now is the time to see how the military uh, responds, and we've, right. we've only begun to see what the response looks like, and whether or not uh, Israel meets objectives that are satisfactory uh, to the Israeli public. Absolutely understood. And before I let you go, of course, our thoughts are with the hostages. This is an ongoing situation, and the most devastating part of this, the most painful part of this, is what the, you know, the hostages, what the families are going through, and what the hostages have gone through. And uh, of course, because of social media, because of videos, you know, we know a, an awful lot. We know unspeakable atrocities that they're going through. What are you hearing in terms of a possible rescue or in terms of a possible swap? I, I think what we all want to know is what is the best case scenario? What are we hoping for? It's hard to think about. But, you know, what is the potential here in terms of getting back the, the, the hostages? Yeah, I mean, I think there, there needs to be some sense of realism here. Uh, I would say that the the perspective for bringing back hostages alive, uh, the chances are low, uh, to be honest. And I think that Israel has to go, unfortunately, uh, with that thinking uh, into the next phases of the conflict. Uh, you know, there's 150 hostages, and it's it's horrific. There's there's been over 1,200 pronounced dead already, and there are 3,000 more in Israeli hospitals, and many of them in serious condition. Uh, and Hamas obviously wants to hold uh, these hostages as collateral to, to get out of some degree of, uh, of damage, whatever that might be. And also there are, are Hamas prisoners that Israel is holding, probably way more than 150. Uh, and I know that Israel was working on diplomatic channels to try to secure some kind of a, a trade or release. Um, Hamas has openly stated that there will be no 
uh, prisoner swaps or anything like that until the end of the conflict. So I, I think that, that Israel just has to go ahead and meet its military objectives. There's been threats from Hamas that they would start executing uh, hostages one by one. Uh, I'm gathering that they would plan to uh, publicize photos and videos. As we've seen so many photos and videos uh, come out so far of the brutality. But I don't think that that would cause Israel to, to pause. I think quite the opposite. That would be a, yet another demonstration of how barbaric uh, Hamas is, and it would, it would be a further indication for, for Israelis and for the rest of those around the world uh, how badly Israel needs to uh, finish the job and dismantle Hamas once and for all. Okay, and we'll leave it right there. Look, I know how busy you are. Alex, I just want to mention, in addition to this interview, which you did phenomenal, phenomenal job, um, I've heard you on the radio several times this week, and not to mention reading all of your material online on JNS, of course, and you have an incredible clarity and incredible insight that very few have. You know, you've just done an incredible job of articulating, conveying everything going on with, to all of us, but also your compassion and your empathy, and you're, you're just immersed in this situation like virtually nobody else, and I really, really appreciate that. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Alex Trayman, CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of JNS, on the VIN News Podcast.